Hello, Pulse Check listeners. This is Dan Diamond, and welcome to our special Pulse Check series on the coronavirus outbreak and the Trump administration's response. Today, I'm in conversation with Adam Cancran, my co-author on Politico Pulse, but also the author of a recent story about the FDA and its push for standards around a coronavirus vaccine. FDA Commissioner Stephen Hahn has vowed that he will block any political pressures on the agency. In the end, FDA will not authorize or approve a vaccine that we would not feel comfortable giving to our families. But President Donald Trump has pushed back, suggesting that a vaccine should try and arrive before Election Day in November. And we're going to have a great vaccine very, very shortly. I think we should have it before the election. But frankly, the politics gets involved, and that's okay. They want to play their games. It's going to be right after the election. But we did it. Nobody else. Nobody else would have been able to do it. The FDA has acted as quickly as they've ever acted in history. There's never been a time, and no president's ever pushed them like I pushed them either, to be honest with you. But the FDA is approving things in a matter of weeks that used to take a matter of years. That was the president in a video he posted on Wednesday evening. Adam and I spoke before Trump posted that video. And here's that conversation. Adam, welcome back to Politico Pulse Check. Hey, Dan, it's good to be back. I feel like we talk about every three hours. So this time it's just different because there's a microphone in front of my face. Yeah, this is, this is easily maybe the fourth or fifth time in the last eight hours. <laughs> So the difference being that you and I now are are going to talk about, the difference is that you and I now are going to try and explain this story, not just our journalistic shorthand, but to a mass audience. And I, I am curious about this piece that you wrote. It went up yesterday. It was on the FDA's push to impose requirements around a coronavirus vaccine, but that push was blocked by the White House. Within hours, the White House reversed that block. Can you explain what happened here? Yeah, so maybe I'll, I'll start from the beginning. One of the big things that FDA has been working on over the past several weeks is trying to make as transparent as possible, as clear as possible, just how the agency is going to judge a coronavirus vaccine, whether it's safe and effective. And, and this is important for a couple reasons. One, it's important for public confidence, and it's important for people to know you know, exactly how the FDA is going to determine whether we should we have a COVID-19 shot that 300 plus million people should be putting in their arm. And secondly, it's important just to kind of set the benchmarks, right? So that the companies that are trying to develop these vaccines at record speed know that when they feel like they've got enough data and indication that they have a working vaccine, they know what they'll be expected to submit to the FDA in order to speed that authorization along, right? To get it right on the first try and get a vaccine uh, out and available as soon as possible. So the FDA put out these preliminary guidelines back uh, over the summer. And what they had telegraphed in the past several weeks was that they wanted to put out even more detail, right? Make it very clear to anybody who wanted to read and listen what exactly they were expecting. Only problem with that is that When those new guidelines went to the White House for approval, the White House looked at them and said, this is much stricter than we expected, right? You're holding these vaccines to a higher bar than a normal vaccine or that we would expect. And that was a problem because you're in the White House, all you're hearing every day from President Trump 
is where is the vaccine, where is the vaccine, and will it be ready by election day? And what these guidelines make pretty clear now looking at them is that it's going to be a really long shot, nearly impossible for any vaccine to be authorized before election day. And that takes away the president's core political message on the pandemic. So as a result, these guidelines were held up by the White House for roughly two weeks. There were a whole number of justifications given, including that the vaccine developers were unhappy with these more stringent guidelines. That all came to a head over the past couple of days. You know, there was growing public scrutiny of why the White House was holding this up. The FDA really was going toe to toe with the White House saying in public, look, we're going to enforce these restrictions anyway, these guidelines anyway. So that all came to a head on Tuesday, where the White House finally, after two weeks, did back down and signed off on allowing these guidelines to go public. So now everybody can kind of see what it's going to take for a vaccine to get to market to be available uh, to Americans. So, Adam, you're talking about pharma industry being concerned that these guidelines were too strict. The pharma industry publicly has said that's not true. Scott Gottlieb, the former FDA commissioner, retweeted you and said that the pharma industry, as far as he knew, was not trying to hold up these guidelines. And that's also important because Gottlieb is on the board of Pfizer, which has been really optimistic about the pace of vaccine development. So where's the truth here? I mean, is the pharma industry saying one thing in public and doing something else in private? Well, honestly, that's what the FDA has been trying to figure out the last two weeks. So what they have heard from the White House is that, you know, the White House is hearing this significant industry opposition to the standards. And, and for a couple of reasons, one, this argument that FDA wants to change the rules late in the game, right? You have four different vaccine candidates in final stage trials. We are weeks away from potentially the first one being ready. And now FDA is coming out with these, you know, more stringent guidelines, right? So there is that. And then there is kind of this second part of why would we hold a COVID-19 vaccine to higher standards for emergency authorization than literally any other vaccine, and so that is what the White House has told FDA the industry was concerned about and was opposed to. Now, the wrinkle is that FDA hasn't heard these concerns, right? And over the past week or so, as FDA made clear they were going to enforce these guidelines, whether they were public or not, there was this outpouring from the industry pushing to make them public, right? Expressing support for having these new guidelines out there. And essentially what has emerged within the FDA is two camps. One, that they can't trust what the White House is telling them. And that the key issue here is that if you make these guidelines public, it will make it very clear that a vaccine authorization by November 3rd is almost impossible. And again, that undercuts the main political goal for Trump before the election. So that's one theory that the White House is bluffing or exaggerating the level of industry opposition. The other theory is that the pharmaceutical industry, or at least some companies, are indeed lobbying the White House for lower standards in private and in coming out publicly and saying something different. And the thought there is that the companies would love to go as fast as possible, right? They're facing competing pressures. On the one hand, you have a president who's pushing them to go faster and faster. On the other hand, there's no way that they can defy the FDA. It would be essentially you know, a career-ending credibility issue if a company did not follow FDA guidelines. So the only way to kind of make both of those things work out is if the FDA holds them to lower standards. 
those are the kind of two competing schools of thought. They have not been resolved, but that is what is suspected inside the administration. So you're getting into the wonky weeds of guidances and back and forth negotiations, but brass tacks, like how much does this really matter? It's not like the pharma industry wanted to rush a coronavirus vaccine that would have led to major problems in the people who got vaccinated and major side effects, right? Like they have a vested interest in a safe vaccine arriving for the American people, because if not, the pharma industry is on the line for a very dangerous product. So how much of what we've seen in this back and forth over whether FDA is going to have this strict guidance or not, how much really matters at the end of the process to getting a vaccine to Americans? Yeah, well, it matters, I guess, to varying degrees, substantively and then politically, right? So substantively, you're right. No pharmaceutical company wants their legacy to be, you know, putting out a bad COVID-19 vaccine. That would literally ruin everything, public confidence, the company's reputation, absolutely. Yeah, well, beyond coronavirus, like they're thinking both short-term and long-term. And like I said, you know, it would kill any credibility that, you know, a pharmaceutical CEO had or the company as a whole had if they were to go around the FDA or to ignore the standards that the agency is setting out. But there is one company, Pfizer, which has made clear that they think they will have the data that's necessary on safety and effectiveness before the election to say, you know, we have a viable vaccine, right? And there are billions of dollars at stake here, right? If you win this vaccine race, if you're the first one to the tape, that's potentially a huge windfall for your stock, for your share price, and it matters reputationally. You become the one that, you know, was first to try to solve the pandemic here. So there is a lot of pressure there to, one, get it right, but also to be first. And then secondly, politically, Trump has bet so much on there being a vaccine before the election. It's it's probably the only potential positive about the pandemic that he could have that could potentially change Americans' minds about how this crisis has been managed. And so not being able to deliver that would be a massive blow. Just to underline that point, we're less than 30 days out from Election Day, I believe 26 by the time listeners first hear this. Now we have this strict new guidance on coronavirus vaccines Yes or no, does this make any material difference to getting a vaccine before the election? Materially, no, because the FDA was going to hold these companies, they said, to the standards, whether they were public or not. The counter that you would get from Trump allies and White House officials is there are close to a thousand people dying a day. Every single moment of delay costs more American lives, right? But to your point before, There is a real cost in rushing a vaccine or even being perceived to rush a vaccine. Anything before November 3rd is going to be seen as politicized. And so you're going to have a lot of hesitation within the American public about even just taking one. This guidance was held up for a few weeks. You write a story on Monday. The New York Times writes a story. Within a day, FDA posts the guidance. Was this a case of news stories leading to action? Or was this FDA using the press to get what it wanted and to go around the White House? I think it was a combination of both. You know, the FDA has made increasingly clear that it is worried about its credibility, that is worried about public confidence in this process. And that as a result, it is going to go further and further out on a limb 
in challenging the White House and making sure that it is seen as standing up for science, right? And I think that is reflected in a lot of the coverage and a lot of the stories that we've seen over the past few weeks. At the same time, there's a lot of confusion, even within the FDA. I was talking to some administration officials today about what was the thing that really jarred this guidance loose. And I don't think that that's clear yet, but it's fair to say that there was some combination of growing scrutiny of you know, why exactly the White House was holding this up. And also, you know, the FDA's insistence that whether you approve it or not, we're going to go ahead and enforce these standards. We often hear that President Trump and his team are at war with the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control. But it seems like he's at war with FDA, too. You and I have both written stories about FDA Commissioner Steve Hahn fighting with HHS or the White House being frustrated with FDA's pace. President Trump on Tuesday night tweeted about the political hit job happening at FDA around this guidance. And meanwhile, seven former commissioners wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post about a week and a half ago decrying political interference at FDA. The title was, Seven Former FDA Commissioners, the Trump Administration is Undermining the Credibility of the FDA. And these weren't just Democrat former commissioners. This was Scott Gottlieb, who worked for Trump, and Mark McClellan, who was brought in as a potential uh, leader of Operation Warp Speed, someone they were looking at. These are people across the ideological spectrum really worried about FDA under Trump. Do we know if FDA is in line for changes if President Trump wins re-election? Like, is Commissioner Hahn going to be replaced? Well, that's the perpetual question with almost every top official. I'll repeat something that one of Han's allies told me is that this is essentially the consequence of working for President Trump, right? This is just kind of what comes with the territory, this constant uncertainty about your job. With Han, you know, my understanding is that, you know, there he's viewed it as there being two routes, right? One, and we've seen many other administration officials take this route, is that you can do whatever it takes to please the president, you know, to make sure that there is no daylight. And in that way, just attempt to stay on his good side. The problem with that is you end up getting crosswise with pretty much everybody else in terms of supporting science and making sure that things are not politicized. And for Han in particular, he really has to worry about this kind of vast bureaucracy of career scientists who are essential to the FDA's work on, you know, vaccines and pretty much everything else they do and within their purview. So he has those kind of competing pressures to juggle. The second route, and the one that it seems like Han has increasingly been taking, is to say, you know, this is what my career scientists tell me, this is what I believe is right. And if it ends in my firing, you know, if it ends in the president not liking me, then so be it. Uh, and and part of the advantage that it seems like he has at this point is that firing your FDA commissioner, you know, deep into the vaccine race would just be, you know, massively destabilizing as far as confidence in this process. And if the president doesn't realize that, I can assure you there are people in the White House who understand that and who, you know, as best they can will kind of try to act as a shield against that that result, right? That that potential firing. We saw it with HHS Secretary Alex Azar, you know, earlier in the in the year there was talk about firing him and the pushback in the White House was we can't fire our cabinet official in charge of the health department in the middle of a raging pandemic. So there's always that kind of consideration 
that is the main kind of bulwark against major changes at the FDA. Whether that holds, though, always remains to be seen. So the crisis is so bad, we can't get rid of anybody in the middle of this bad crisis. That's that's kind of an interesting... Essentially, right? Like, plus, <laughs> I mean, there's always the consideration. And this is another constant consideration over the past two and a half, likely more years in the administration is, if he goes, who do you replace him with? Who could possibly be credentialed enough and then also want to step into that kind of a situation. It would just be, like I say, just massively destabilizing. Mm. Well, it is Washington. There's always someone angling for a new job. One more question here, and that's on looking ahead. So this guidance release was a signal point from FDA about how vaccines should be developed and, and the kind of data that needs to be seen to clear vaccine for emergency authorization. What else is on the calendar, particularly before the election, that FDA is going to do, is tracking, and that we might be reporting on that listeners should know about? So the most immediate thing to watch is October 22nd. And and that is when a vaccine advisory committee to the FDA will meet to kind of review the guidelines as well as kind of the overall rules of the road in the situation, the current situation with, you know, the vaccines. And, and this is important for a couple of reasons. You know, one, it was originally viewed as the first date at which that advisory committee might be able to review data on specific vaccines. It looks increasingly unlikely that that's going to happen just simply because given these new standards, it's going to be hard for any company to apply for authorization before October 22nd. Even so, it's really important because it, again, establishes what the process is It will show the American public that the FDA is kind of trying to be transparent about this entire process, and it will be closely watched for any indications of political pressure or, you know, how various companies are doing or just the general thoughts of this advisory committee. And the reason the committee is important is because the FDA has pledged that they will run any potential vaccines by them before going ahead with an emergency authorization. So so that is the most immediate thing to watch there. I mean, the other thing to watch, as always, is the president's Twitter feed. As we saw on Tuesday night, Trump was unhappy with the way that this process has gone. And in this administration, there are really two levels of approval that you need. You know, one is the broader White House's approval. And then you also have to get Trump's after that. Uh, So there is a good chance that as it becomes more certain that we will not have a vaccine authorization before the election, that we see the president lashing out about the process, potentially at senior officials, and it will be closely watched, you know, what the ripple effect, what the impact is of that. Hmm. Yes, drawing on his ample knowledge of vaccine development, no doubt. Do you plan on getting a vaccine based on everything that you know now about the process and the safety? I mean, absolutely. And I think that from everything I've seen, the process has not always been clear. It has not always been linear, but I have never seen, at least to date, any breakdown in the focus on ensuring safety and efficacy, at least at the FDA, for the people who are specifically responsible with this. And they are keenly aware of the damage it would do if you know, they were to be pushed to authorize a vaccine before it was ready. And you have all these people come out and say, don't take the vaccine, don't take the vaccine, right? And then four weeks later or a couple months later, those same people have to turn around and say, okay, now we're satisfied, go ahead and take the vaccine, right? That kind of public messaging just 
it would be disastrous, right? And so there's just a very clear awareness that the process here has to go by the book and that it has to be reassuring at every step for people who are watching it closely. So, I mean, given the case that I've made just there, I mean, I guess my question, Dan, and, and maybe a better gauge would be, do you feel safe taking a vaccine at this point? Oh, man. If I say no, am I an anti-vaxxer using the Politico platform to <laughs> to make people nervous? I mean, I ultimately rise and fall with what the career officials want to do. And if a vaccine is going to be announced by Secretary Azar and Donald Trump a week before the election, that's a very different vaccine than the one that goes through the process that you've laid out and that career officials have worked so hard on. So I hate to say that it's a little case dependent, but if all goes as it should, then yes, I would get a vaccine. If one appears magically, that's the one that I think not only would I hesitate on, it's the one that you and I are going to have to team up on and get the backstory on how it came to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's clearly one of the apprehensions inside is, you know, not only what is the process, but also who is the public messenger, right? At this point in the pandemic, 70, 75% of the response is public messaging. And we've seen the White House fail repeatedly at that step. Yeah. Though then again, President Donald Trump has said maybe he's immune to coronavirus. So perhaps he has insights that... We shall yeah. see. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. Well, Adam Kankren, I'm sure I will be talking to you again, probably within minutes of finishing this podcast as we team up on yet another story. But thanks so much for carving out some time to talk about your recent reporting on FDA and the vaccine guidance. Absolutely. Anytime. All right. That is our show for this week. I'm Dan Diamond, and my thanks to Adam Kankren for joining me on the podcast, much like he joins me every morning, afternoon, and night to work on the Politico Pulse newsletter and the stories that we team up on. This episode was produced by Kara Tabor. Jenny Ament is our senior producer, and Irene Noguchi is our executive producer. You can subscribe to Politico Pulse Check. All you have to do is go to the app that you're listening to this on and click subscribe. You can also help us by leaving a review or a rating. Every time you do that, it helps new listeners discover the show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe. And we'll be back again with you next week. The way to bring this country to its knees is to choke off our supply. Imagine for a second our globe as a series of supply chains. Food, everyday goods, and raw materials zooming across the world in a single day. But what if those global supply chains suddenly ground? To a halt. It's not just about finding which vaccines work, it's about preparing the manufacturing and supply chains for those. And if one little detail in those supply chains goes wrong, we might not be getting vaccines to people when they desperately need them. The global pandemic showed us what it's like when we can't get the things we need. Masks, personal protective equipment, even toilet paper. There's simply not enough raw materials. We have to figure out how to get this right. There is a bigger story behind the scarcity. We need to fight back against China. A bigger picture with implications for our future. That's going to be a major challenge. On this season of Global Translations, where has globalization fallen short? 
And where do we go from here? The 90s called and their economics is not what we need now. I'm Louisa Savage. I've spent my career thinking about the global forces that shape our world. Join me and other journalists from Politico. A new season of Global Translations coming in October. October.